So I think it's really important to provide the opportunity for developers to develop this mastery, but also to have this kind of internal open source culture where we enable people to contribute back and to say, hey, this is something that works really well. I think everybody should use it and really sharing that mastery. Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Our guest today is Florian Loretten, whom you might know as a regular presenter at Drupal events talking about decouple architectures, Elasticsearch, and Kubernetes. In the past couple of years, he has helped establish the DevOps culture at the European digital agency Wunder as their CDO. So in this episode, Florian and I will be discussing how leveraging DevOps can improve the happiness of developers by giving them greater autonomy and enabling them to achieve greater mastery of the technologies they use. Welcome, Florian. It's great to have you with us today. Well, let me just go ahead with what I think is the most essential question, and that is, what does DevOps even mean? Can you give us a brief definition and maybe a little bit of history? Yes, of course. So I would say that, well, I'm not an expert on DevOps and, and there's DevOps has been around for like over a decade. We just got started a few years ago. So we're definitely not in a position and I'm not in a position to, to say really where it comes from. But what I see is that it's, it's really a methodology um, that is not actually very well defined, but that has a goal to improve the way that we deliver software. And I think this is the, the, main, the, the main thing. The most important part is what is it there for? Um, there's a lot of different practices, infrastructure as code, monitoring, and so on. These, these are all really important, but I would say DevOps is really about why we do this. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the, the, the best illustration of this this is a, from a book that I've recommended to, to many people uh, and got really good feedback from this, uh, a book called The Phoenix Project. So it's not a textbook. It doesn't explain how to do DevOps. It's a novel. It tells the story of a project that's gone horribly wrong, over budget, over the, the deadline, and that really illustrates why we need DevOps. And I think this is a, it's a fascinating read and also one that for me, when I read it, I was like, hey, this, now I have a better concrete understanding of what DevOps is about. Um, but yes, I would say it's really about improving the way that we build and deliver software. Yeah, that's a very good point. So you would say it's defined not by what it is, by what its goal is. That's actually a very cool distinction. It's good that you brought this up right at the very beginning. And I'll make sure to link the book that you mentioned in the links for to the additional resources. Okay, maybe now that we got the first thing out of the way, how would you describe the DevOps workflow or the DevOps process? What are like the most integral parts? So I think one of the, the ways that we could look at it is looking at the, the process of building software as software itself. So rather than saying, well, we build an application, and then actually taking this application and well, deploying it locally, making sure that it works at each step of the, the deployment, uh, development process, and also making sure that when we deploy it, it works in production. It still works in production when we bring changes, all of that. Well, we don't want to treat all these things as just manual steps where it's about taking our application for, from one place and kind of like putting it in a box and, and 
handing it over to somebody else who will run it on a server and so on. So it's pretty much treating this whole aspect as software. And we want to automate all of this. So just the same way that we want to, like if we build an application for end users, we want to automate the manual steps of the process and whatever, well, whatever the, the, the organization is where the application is used. And we want to take that exact same approach and use it internally for our development team. Um, and so what we want to make sure is that we reduce any times when there is a need to wait. So for example, like you need a, you build a new application, start a new project. Of course, you want to deploy it, but the server is not there. And you don't have the permissions to, to create the servers. You don't have the credit card to create the account and so on. And, and I think this is the, these are the small things that really kill the productivity, kill the flow. Um, and something I, I'll mention as well also, I think have a big impact on, on the happiness of development teams. So really, really focusing on automating all the things that cause friction in the development process. And not only that, but also iterating. So the more, well, really taking a close look at how things are working, which parts are not working well, uh, trying to, to improve this, this software that manages the process uh, as, we, as we progress. And yeah, so, so I think these are really the, the, the key parts, automating as much as possible and improving. So constant, constantly evaluating how is this process going and what can we do better? This sounds to me very similar to the approach that agile software development uses. Would you say, I mean, from what I've noticed so far, I've noticed that, that there's a huge overlap between DevOps and agile software development. How would you say the two kind of play together? How do they overlap? Yeah, so, so the, the, the DevOps movement actually come quite directly from the, the, the agile software world. Um, and I think the, the agile software is really focusing like traditionally on, on, on the software and the application. Um, if you look at the typical Scrum team, of course you have the, the, the product owner that's representing the, the stakeholders. Um, you have the Scrum master that facilitates the process. You have the development team could be in, in a Drupal project, for example, but any kind of web project, you typically have front-end developers, back-end developers, you might even include the designers, but usually the operations people, the people who run the servers are not necessarily included. There, there could be various reasons. Sometimes, for example, the hosting could be uh, managed by a different company or it is just a, a managed solution. So there's not, like you don't actually have a person who's dedicated to the, the hosting part of the stack. Um, but, but it's always kind of assumed that, yeah, th this is something, something separate. And, and I think the, the, the key part of the DevOps process is applying that same idea of uh, the, the agile process. And I think, the, um, for example, this constant evaluation, we also have this in agile. So when we do a, the, this, the sprint review, after the sprint review, we do the sprint retrospective where we take a look at not only what we built, but also how we built it. And I think it's important to apply this same principle well, in, in the DevOps methodology, we apply these same principles, but also to the entire uh, organization and, and really taking a look, not only the application itself, but really like taking, like the application is only 
bringing value when it's in production serving users. It doesn't matter, like if you have a new version that's sitting somewhere in a, on a server that's not used, then it's it's not bringing anything. And um, and I think it, it, it's really interesting to see how this can really bring a whole organization together. Uh, and then it also includes different stakeholders, like who are like what are your salespeople doing, uh, your account managers, uh, and and so on. And I think that this is really. Uh, the, the part that's interesting is that, well, it's not only about the, like the, the tools to set up the servers and what, um, what we've seen, for example, it changes the way that we can do accounting for when we uh, invoice for, for hosting costs, uh, because it lets us automate into the accounting process. So if done right, DevOps actually has like organizational level benefits, like not just not just producing better, more quality software, but actually, you know, enabling all of the different teams within an organization to be more efficient, to streamline their productivity because the processes have been optimized. Yes. Nice. Awesome. So we, we kind of started talking about the benefits of DevOps already, but I want to reiterate on what you already mentioned that we're going to talk about uh, how DevOps can help enhance developer happiness. And so what are the main benefits of DevOps for developers? What, what factors contribute to DevOps uh, improving the happiness of developers and their efficiency? Yes. Yeah, so, so I think DevOps can actually look very differently depending on the organization that you're, you're talking about. Um, actually, just recently, I was, I was talking at a, at a CTO meetup uh, about pretty much the, the, the same topic and how we, how we use DevOps to, to get happier developer teams. And then the second speaker was talking from a, a completely different organization that has something like 30,000 uh, employees and a very corporate culture. Um, and their, like, their DevOps uh, process looked very, very different. And it was much bigger undertaking and, and there the benefits might also be quite, quite different even though the basic principles are the same. But what I would say, so the way that we've enabled this DevOps process at Wunder, it really enables the developers to be fully autonomous. So they are able to create projects at the development stage. So pretty much every, everyone in the organization is able to create a Git repository. And then there is some automation built in that will automatically deploy that Git repository with very simple configuration. So there's no prerequisites in terms of knowledge, no prerequisites in terms of permissions, and also no prerequisites in terms of budget. And the, the way that we can do this is because our development cluster is set to pretty much whenever you don't use something, then it gets scaled down. And so even if somebody just creates a, a personal project or a quick experiment uh, to see if something would work, uh, it's not going to be up and running in the long term. So the costs are actually very minimal. And so the, it enables us to do this kind of thing without having our hosting budget going through the roof. And I think really having this kind of autonomy gives us, like really gives, uh, it makes people happier because they're more in charge of the things that they do. And, and it really goes like, well, of course, creating a new project but also taking that project into production and doing a live launch. And we've actually been able to do this without any, have, uh, any involvement from our operations team, which is something that is actually pretty cool to see, hey, somebody launched a project and we didn't have anything to do. And I think th this is something that's, that's really exciting. 
And for for us at at Wunder, the the idea was to originally to focus on on, on this developer experience. But what what I've seen uh, actually in in retrospective, looking back at this motivation theory, and one of the the, the references that I used is the book Drive by Daniel Pink, where he talks about how the, the key to motivation is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And, and it's actually really interesting to see how these three key requirements to, to motivation are actually addressed quite well by this, uh, this automation process. Yeah, it seems totally perfectly in line with what we've been talking about so far. Yeah, I know that you've exposed the uh, mastery of the technologies, autonomy, and uh, what, what was the third element purpose you said? Uh, purpose, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, from what I, from how I understand DevOps, it gives you all of these three benefits. So, so it's and as you said, it's like essential. It plays along and correlates well with motivation, and probably each of these skills and traits is kind of kind of essential for the other one, and they they just work in tandem so well. And maybe one thing to mention, especially regarding the mastery. One thing that is important: the mastery that the development teams care about is not about ma mastering Kubernetes, usually. It's not about mastering this tool that does the things for them. It's about building the application, whether that's using React, whether that's using Drupal uh, or something else, or also having the freedom to use something else. Uh, just somebody who wants to, or who needs to, for whatever reason, build an application in Go, having the freedom to do that. So having a, a system that automates, that provides a lot of really good defaults but still allows the freedom uh, to, to, to do something that's unusual. Um, and, and also having a feedback loop that enables these types of experiment to be then included back into the common tool set. Um, and we've seen this, for example, with um, people working with JavaScript, introducing new, new more established coding standards. And, and we've seen that it, it started in a specific project then there, got, there was some agreement, and then we were able to include those into the standard pipeline that we have. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really important to provide the opportunity for developers to develop this mastery, but also to have this kind of internal open source culture where we enable people to contribute back and to say, hey, this is something that works really well. I think everybody should use it and really sharing that mastery. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's it's about it's about finding the most efficient most efficient solutions, most efficient tools. And if they prove to be really efficient and really, really well performant, then then why just limit them to a specific team or a specific person? This is the power and beauty of open source, right? That uh, you know, everything is open, everything is able to be, you know, taken as an inspiration, taken as kind of new approach for something, and it isn't closed off. It's it allows for much more of that autonomy, that freedom that we're talking about. Maybe it's actually one of the essential parts of the autonomy. Okay, what about some of the kind of main considerations and maybe challenges uh, when implementing and, and executing DevOps strategies? I think one of the, the, the biggest challenge is it's really changing culture. So it's not about changing tools, but it's also changing the way that the, the, for example, development teams and operations interact. So what we had previously was uh, an operations team 
that was focusing on, on doing things that were needed. So set up a new server, whether it's for a new project, for, for production and so on. And it has changed so that the development teams themselves can do things themselves, but it also means that they are expected to do those. And so rather than the operations team providing, what, well, doing performing certain tasks, they're actually facilitators. And that means that they also have a different role when it comes to uh, the budget in the company. Um, and so th th there's really a, a, a lot of different things that, that really that really need to change, and as I think there's also the these types of um, well I mentioned monitoring and cost before uh, that, that we make sure that we give the freedom to the teams, but that we also give some responsibility. So if a team decides, hey, you know the the, the website is a bit slow, let's double the amount of resources that we use in production. Um, that's that definitely works. And maybe there are some situations where this is actually a good way to, to go about things, at least in the short term. But then there also need to be some, some accountability for this. Um, and so that's, that means there are different responsibilities. And then we also need to make sure that we have proper measurements in place. So for example, for costs, uh, yes, it's great to have an infrastructure that scales automatically. The cloud makes this very easy. But at the same time, Yes, the cost will scale as well. Um, and so it's really important to make sure that there is monitoring not only of uh, server load, but also how much are things costing, where do we use the money, uh, and things like that. So, so I think that this is really something that it, it takes some time, and I would really recommend going one step at a time and really constantly evo evaluating. Um, so using, <laughs> using the DevOps methodology to improve the way that you do DevOps. <laughs> hey, well, that, that's actually a very cool thought. Can you say that again, maybe? Using the DevOps methodology to, to improve the, the way that you do DevOps. Nice, awesome. That, that's a quotable line right there. So uh, you, you mentioned uh, the balancing of freedom and responsibility, and I think that's a very good point because it's kind of the, you know, too much freedom kind of diminishes responsibility and too much responsibility kind of diminishes freedom. So it's kind of a, a seesaw of these two of these two aspects, and I, I guess one of the most important considerations with DevOps, as you mentioned, is kind of making this perfectly balanced between the two. Yeah, yeah, and th this is also something that will really greatly vary from one organization to the other. Mm -hmm. So it could be that you are a, a pure Drupal agency, for example, and then it's it's kind of expected that all the projects will be using that technology. And then if you want to use something else, then that's going to be like that. That's not a freedom that is given. And then there are some other agencies where, well, it will be whatever is more, most appropriate. Uh, maybe there are different, like much more diverse skills. So, so yeah, I think it's really important to take a look at the organization specifically in which you're, you're moving and then seeing what is the appropriate level of, of freedom uh, when it comes to a lot of different aspects. Yeah, yeah, because DevOps is not like a completely set in stone strategy, a set in stone approach. So you, as you mentioned before, it really depends from, from company to company and because it's also very dependent on the company culture and kind of the change in the company, company culture with the adoption of DevOps. So, so yeah, I can see how, how probably, as you mentioned before, during that talk uh, at the meetup, 
you, you quickly came to the realization that actually, whoa, okay, the way these guys are doing DevOps is something completely different from what we've been used to, but our approach worked great for us and obviously their approach worked great for them. So why, why try to reinvent the wheel if we've kind of invented our own wheels, our own respective wheels for each of our organizations? Okay, now maybe let's try to make our discussion a little more current and place it kind of in the context of everything that's been going on in 2020. And uh, the question I have for you is, uh, how can DevOps help businesses that are struggling in the wake of COVID and the mass digitalization that we've seen this year? Well, I think there's, there, there again, it depends on the organization. Um, so if, if you, you have a an organization that builds software that's already working with remote tools uh, that's like kind of like modern distributed ways of working using Slack and, and, and Zoom and, and, and so on. Or, well, it doesn't have to be these tools, but these types of tools. Mm -hmm. um, I think these types of organizations have had a relatively easy time adjusting. Uh, and well, it's just instead of working from home once in a while, then you just work from home most of the time. So that, that, that's not a huge change um, in, in terms of like ways of working. Um, but, but this is definitely not the case for, for everyone. And um, we see like there are many places where desktop computers are the standard. And then suddenly it's like, it's very difficult to, to adjust to that. Um, and, and I think bringing these type of, of principles where you want to well, you want to make things as flow as easily as possible. And really, I think using this methodology where you take a look at what are the things that are time consuming to some of our staff. It could be, it could be the operations team. It could be the people managing the, the laptops and, and installing the, and configuring the printers. And it, it, it doesn't really matter. But I, I think this idea of, work on automating the things that cost you the more time so that you have more time to focus on other things. Um, I think this, this, is, this is really key and it applies to, to a, lot of, uh, a lot of things outside of, uh, outside of just software development. Mm -hmm. um, one, one really good example that I saw at a, a Google Cloud event, this company that we visited had like some, some really incredible growth. And one of the ways that they, they facilitated um, simple things like getting a new mouse or getting a new keyboard because the one, the old one wasn't working. They had a vending machine in the office. Oh, cool. And then the, it was a vending machine that was full of computer equipment. And you just went up there and just like swiped your, your, your company uh, card and just said, I want a mouse. And then pretty much when, whenever there was something that you didn't need, there was a box next to it and you would just put it there. So you didn't have to ask someone for, for a mouse or ask someone for a keyboard or something like that, or an adapter. And, and yes, the, these types of things can actually save a lot of time. Um, and I think there's, there's a very big pressure on, on companies and especially the, 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 in the digitalization world to, to really optimize and to reduce costs. And I think, this can also be done not only by reducing costs in a way that makes people unhappy, but also improving the, the efficiency and, uh, and, and really do that in a way that really makes people's working lives easier.
Yeah, because you, you mentioned cost and cost that does not necessarily need to be financial cost. You know, in this sense, it's kind of saving costs for the businesses in terms of both finance and productivity and, and time. So it's, it kind of has a win-win-win uh, advantage. And I, I love that example with the vending machines for computer equipment. This is like digital transformation in real life, in practice. I love it. And it, it's interesting that uh, like throughout these conversations that I've been having for the podcast, I've, a trend that I keep noticing time and time again is the fact that basically at the essence of digital transformation, it, it's not so much the digital, but it's enabling your people, your employees, the whole organization to perform better, to kind of streamline our workflow, as we just said, to kind of save costs, both in, in terms of money, time, efficiency, which leads to so many benefits for everybody involved in the processes. Okay, uh, thanks, Florian. I, this is all of the questions that I have at this time. Is there anything that you'd like to specifically point out before we finish our chat? Well, maybe one thing, I've been I've been really uh, becoming more and more involved in this topic of helping teams uh, grow and and really well not only grow in size but also grow in maturity um, and 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 do that in a sustainable way and uh, and and this is something that I'm I'm really passionate about and I have a ton of experience from Zunder but I'm also really interested in hearing how things are going in other places other types of organizations. So if anybody has uh, has some questions, some ideas, definitely let, uh, feel free to get in touch with me. I would be happy to, to have a conversation and there's no commitment at this point. Uh, really just have a conversation, share how things are working for you and, and um, yeah, having a talk about that. So you can find me pretty much anywhere on the regular uh, channel. So LinkedIn, Twitter, and so on. Uh, usually my handle is Loretan, so F Loretan, and if if you Google me, usually you'll find me. I'm, I haven't met another person with my with my full name, so Florian Loretan anywhere you should be able to find me. Cool, thanks, Florian. I'll make sure to include this info in the links. Uh, thank you again for the great conversation and sharing the interesting insights with us. And to our listeners, that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com slash podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.